If you're listening on the live stream, I want to just extend a virtual hug to you and bless you in the name of Jesus. The Lord bless you and keep you. Make his face shine upon you. Be gracious to you. Lift up his face upon you. Give you peace in the name of Jesus. I bless you. And I receive the virtual blessing from you as well. We are one in him. And the Holy Spirit is the same spirit here is the same spirit there. We bless that omnipresence, Holy Spirit. As you're winding down conversation, I'm just going to move along. But before I do, I do want to announce Kids Church. Both groups are going to meet uh, in the fellowship hall today. We have enough of a, uh, we're a smaller group today, so we have enough room in there for everybody to meet in one room, out the door to the left. Be kind to your teacher. She's my wife. Bless you, Becky. <laughs> Amen. We are in a 21-day fast. It's the theme of the fast is Emmanuel. This is day 14. I just want to say it is a voluntary fast. The definition that we're working on is voluntarily abstaining from food for a period of time for the purpose of drawing near to God. And if for some reason you've broken your fast today or before today, or you haven't even started a fast, I just want to emphasize that the Scripture does not mandate fasting. He tells us we will fast, but he doesn't tell us when and how. He just says, when you fast, when you do fast, do it humbly as unto me. This is the second part in two parts, two, series, two parts of this series. The title of the series is Four rewards with a biblical fast. Today we're going to go over rewards three and four, at least as I was pouring over Isaiah 58. He was pouring into me four rewards, but I am not going to say by any stretch of the imagination that that is an exhaustive list of rewards. There are so many rewards when we seek God with all our heart, with all our strength, with all our soul, with all our might. I'll remind us of the first two rewards last week. The first was faith. Took that from verse 6 of Isaiah 58. Or I'm sorry, freedom was the first one. We access freedom through faith, in Jesus' name. Verse 6 of Isaiah 58 says, To let the oppressed go free, and that you break every yoke. The context of that verse is this is God's chosen fast. Not a fast that we would bring our own agenda into, but a fast that we would humble ourselves and seek Him first and his agenda come first. And one of the things on his agenda is to reward us with his freedom. In the context of Isaiah 58, it's a prophecy of being, bringing freedom to the children of Israel. And we saw last week that he wants to bring freedom to the church and to us as individual members of his body. The law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus makes me free from the law of sin and death. The second reward that we talked about last week was healing. And in verse 8 it says, again, in the context of his chosen fast, verse 8 says, your healing will come forth quickly. As we saw last week, that was healing that applied to a nation. We saw it also applies to a church. But it also applies to us as we diligently pursue the Lord. One of the rewards that he bestows upon his children, those who seek him, is healing. Not just in the body, not just in the soul, but in the spirit as well. Amen? 
Amen. Praise, amen. Amen. God is good. Holy Spirit, we thank you for being here. So good. The third reward that I want to talk about today, and I'm only going to talk about one other one, three and four. The third one is help. God wants to help us. Sometimes we see the presence of trouble in our lives and we misinterpret that as an absence of God in our lives. That's a big mistake. As we're going to see in just a moment, God is with us no matter where we go. Most people credit David as writing Psalm 139. And in verse 7 it says this. This is David who had many times of languishing, many times of rejoicing, many times of fear, many times of being overwhelmed. And in verse 7 of Psalm 139 he says, Where can I go from your presence? Where can I flee from your spirit? For you are always with me. If I ascend into heaven, you are with me. If I descend into hell, even there, you are with me. There is no place that we can go that is without him. I want to come up against any lie from the enemy, any lie that's in our minds that says, because I have trouble, therefore God is not with me, God is not for me, God does not want to prosper me in his definition of prosperity. I rebuke it in the name of Jesus. I loose the truth, the truth from Jesus that sets free, makes free, and free indeed. And his truth is, I am with you, I will not leave you an orphan. I will not leave you alone. Verse 9 of Isaiah 58 says, Then you shall call and the Lord will answer. You shall cry and he will say, Here I am. It's a fulfillment of what he's always wanted to be with us. When we humble ourselves and seek him and cry out to him, he at, we ask and we seek him, and he says, here I am, I am present. If you take away the yoke from your midst, the pointing of the finger, and speaking wickedness, in other words, if we lay down our agendas in the truly minuscule way, an acute way, we're focusing our ears on just what we and our finite understanding want to have happen. When we're just, when we're just succumbing to our own agendas, even praying for hours to God about specific things. And all the while he is saying, open up your ears, Josh. Open up your eyes. Don't bring your agenda to me. Let my agenda come to you. Let my will be done as it is in heaven, here on earth, and in you, and through you. Don't you see I am giving you what you, want, what you need? Not necessarily what you want. So many times I've prayed that. Gone to God and wanted something. And he says, no, I have what you need, and it's so much better. If I had gotten what I wanted, Dan would have been a girl. Yeah. <laughs> praise God he's not, and praise God for him. I was on the airplane on one of the trips. Last year I took a trip. I was on an airplane next to a woman. She noticed that I was reading some scripture. She asked me what I'm reading. I said, I'm reading the word of God. 
And I was asking the Lord in our conversation, how can I help this woman? Holy Spirit, how do you want to help this woman? And she began to open up about some of her problems. She was coming out of an abusive relationship. Her husband had been really, really vile to her. And so she's flying across the country to get away from this, and she's lost. She needs help. I give her a word of encouragement, very similar to what I'm speaking now. Holy Spirit just reminds me of things in time when it's, when it's appropriate. He does that for all of us. Amen. It's a very helpful word. God is with you. He didn't want those things to happen to you. He didn't want him to do those things to you, but he is with you. And if you'll trust him, if you'll lay down the bitterness, if you'll lay down the wall of unforgiveness, he will speak to you, he will minister to your heart. She's in tears, holy tears in the presence of the Lord. It's so sweet. We've all experienced them, at least I hope we have. If you haven't, I want you to. Jesus' name, let the holy tears come. The holy tears are coming, and the Lord says, just give her a gift. And so I give her a gift, a generous cash gift. And she says, thank you so much. I have nothing where I'm going. This makes the difference. The fullness of the story is, yes, God was using me to help her, but he was also helping me by letting me be used by him. It is a great privilege to be used by God to not only spiritually bring life to a person, but also bless a person tangibly. In John chapter 14, oh, first let me just show you this verse, verse 7 of Isaiah 58, the practical ways we can help as we humble ourselves and seek God. These are the things that God wants us to do. Share our bread with the hungry, bring to our house the poor, cover those that are naked, and not hide ourselves from our own flesh, from our own humanity. Let bitterness come down toward neighbors. Let literal neighbors that we have bitterness to because they haven't respected or they've somehow violated our, our sense of what's right and our proprieties of what a neighbor should do. Let the bitterness come down. Let us live like Jesus. Lay our life down. Sacrifice our flesh so that we could bless and be used as a conduit of blessing to others. When bitterness shows up, it's generally speaking of a person that needs help. Let us see the crying help for crying out of help for people and not just our own bitterness in the way. In verse 18 of John 14, Jesus has just said that the Holy Spirit, he calls him the helper, will abide with us. The world will not receive him, but we will, and he will be in us. And then it says in verse 18, I will not leave you orphans, I will come to you. He's talking about the helper, the Holy Spirit. That word helper comes from the Greek word parakletos, which means alongside me, right beside me, one who is right next to me, Emmanuel. Jesus himself is declaring, you are not alone. I have sent my spirit to be with you. That word orphan is only used one other time in the New Testament, James chapter 1, verse 27, which says, pure 
An undefiled religion before God and the Father is this, to visit orphans and widows in their trouble and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. There's a common problem that has always been part of mankind since the fall of man. Lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life. Three things all wrapped up in one problem, sin. In that sin, we often find ourselves craving things and wanting things to happen in this flesh. I was speaking it to to it a little bit earlier before we got into the word, that word I gave about expectations. And then in the word, agenda. Oftentimes the things that we're pursuing are things that we have dictated in our own minds, in our own lives that are comfortable, that bring us pleasure, that is a way of securing a pain-free existence, or at least we think it will be. We're trying to make something happen because we really don't trust in God. That's what sin is. When I succumb to pride of my of flesh, when I succumb to lust of the flesh, when I succumb to lust of the eyes, I'm not putting my trust in God. I'm not putting my trust in my Father. I'm identifying myself as an orphan. Not provided for by my Father, not trusting my Father, but trying to make things happen on my own. Am I making sense? I didn't see everybody nod, so I'll keep going if I need to. I'm, I'm not kidding. I want to make sure this point is, is it's an important point. We can call it an orphan spirit or an orphan mindset. Where I feel alone, where I'm not provided for, I'm not taken care of, and it causes me, and that heart set, it causes me to go out and try to make sure that I'm taken care of, and I make a wreck of it, and you make a wreck of it every time. Because we're doing it in our own strength. And deep down, the Holy Spirit reveals to each of us, and he's revealing it now, we know our limitations. We know how wayward we are. Even the atheists among in this region, if there's anybody here listening, if it's you, I love you. Many atheists have come to know God in a real way. I just want to encourage you, no matter who we are, we know our limitations. We cannot thrive, we cannot live as orphans and expect a good outcome. We'll be tormented the rest of our lives, always wanting. And God is saying all the while, I am with you, son. I am with you, daughter. I will provide for you. Trust me. Praise God. James, the brother of Jesus, is encouraging us in that verse. When we identify as being sons and daughters found and with him, it will cause us not to think about our own needs only, but to love our neighbor as ourselves, to take care of the widows, to take care of the orphans, to help others. If you're able, I want you to say this prayer with me. Jesus, I reject the lie that I am alone and all the ways that I have identified as being alone, I put my entire trust in your promise that you have not left me an orphan. 
I welcome the helper to indwell my heart anew. Helper, I welcome you to completely convince my heart that I am a son of my heavenly Father. Your love for me is forever. My identity as a son is eternally secure. Therefore, I do not have to worry about anything in my life. And I can help others as you lead me and guide me. Thank you, Jesus. Praise God. Give him an amen. He does that in our hearts. Praise God. I want to show you a picture of my favorite car. Almost my favorite car. This was my first car. Not the exact first car, but it looked just like that. It was great. It was a 1988 Plymouth Reliant K station wagon, and it had an Alpine uh, stereo system in it, and I thought it was the greatest thing. I got it from my parents, and about, I don't know, oh, six months or so later, I was going to class. I was taking classes at JCC. It was inclement weather. I knew very little about driving. There was black ice on the road. I lost control of the vehicle on this road closer to Watertown, Route 12F. And I'm swishing back and forth. I go into the opposite bank, and I'm broadside with the on against the oncoming lane. So I did the right thing. I pulled out, and I, revert, and I go back the other way so I'm not obstructing traffic. But then I did the wrong thing. Youth and stupidity caused me to get out of my car and check on my headlights there on the highway just to make sure, you know, that they're not clogged with snow and they're not broken. And so I do that, and I'm super excited. There's nothing, there's not a scratch on my car. Yes, thank you, Jesus. And no sooner does that excitement hit my mind than I hear a honk cresting over the hill is this car, and it is not just a, a kind warning honk, honk. It's a slamming of a, of a horn, and it will not stop. And I look over the top of the vehicle, and I see this car just coming right at me out of control. Instantly in the moment, I knew what to do. I got out from behind the, from in front of the car. I ran toward the vehicle, opened up my driver's side door, got in the vehicle. Instantly, I had the awareness that if the car comes, if I get an impact from the back, I can just lean against the seat because the momentum will carry me into the seat. I don't need to put on my seatbelt. And just when I thought of that, well, bam, crashed right into my beautiful 1988 Plymouth K. Reliant K. It was an accordion. I get out of the car. I'm glad to be alive. I look at the woman that just hit me. The earbag is deflating and she's crying. She says, I saw you walking around and I just didn't know what to do. I just had to slam on the brakes. The tro troopers showed up and everybody was okay. She was not hurt and neither was I. The reason I share that story is this. God will guide us. It is the fourth reward that I want to mention from Isaiah 58. When we humble ourselves and fast, he reveals himself by guiding us. Emmanuel. And in Isaiah 58, when he says guidance, he's talking about going before us. It's not just in emergency situations like the one I just described. It's when we're thinking about jobs thinking about going into ministry, thinking about transitioning ministry. There's anybody listening? Thinking about who I'm going to marry. 
we humble ourselves, put down our agenda, our expectations, and look to God, and he guides us. Reward number four, guidance. In verse 11 of Isaiah 58, the Lord will guide you continually and satisfy your soul in drought and strengthen your bones. You shall be like a watered garden and like a spring of water whose waters do not fail. I have such a sense, I did last night, and I have it today, that there are a lot of people, Holy Spirit. There are many of us that are seeking guidance from the Lord, what to do with this question, what to do with this relationship, how to respond to this person. Do you want me to take this step of faith? Is this the change that you're wanting to bring about? There's so many of us that are wanting the Lord's guidance. And he is saying, I will give you my guidance. You may not hear what you want to hear, but I will give you what you need to hear. Amen? He promises in John 16, verse 13, this is Jesus again, when he, the spirit of truth, previously referred to as the helper, now the guider. When he has come, he will guide you into all truth, for he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak, and he will tell you things to come. Daniel puts it this way. The prophet Daniel in chapter 2 of his, of his book, he the Lord, the Spirit of God, reveals deep and secret things. He knows what is in the darkness and light dwells with him. Wherever you may be feeling like you're in darkness, wherever you may be feeling like you're confused, overwhelmed, you can't, you can't make sense of the situation, he is the one that reveals deep and secret things. The Holy Spirit, our guide, will speak to you things that he hears from the Father who knows all things, who sees your perfect past, who sees your perfect present, who sees your perfect future. And no matter what we've done with our present, no matter what we've done with our past, he has perfection for us, completion and finishing for us in the future. That is what he's guiding us to that we would all grow in the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. That is what he's leading us to. I want to remind us that as he guides us, he also chastens us. Most of you know I've been through cancer. Becky's been through cancer. We've all been through stuff. Those are times of refining. He hasn't left us. He's still guiding us. He's wanting to take us by the hand and lead us into his way everlasting. Am I getting through? Are you with me? No show of hands, but I know. Don't, you don't have to. I know that many of us are seeking guidance. Let me give you a few tips, but before I do, I want to mention a, an example here. <clears throat> this is a promised land. In recent months, I've added three new circles into the middle of it, reflecting different ministries that are popping up in the center of our region of influence. 
For those that may not know, we're at the center of this map. This is a Google map that I've played with and made green. We influence prophetically and confirmed by the Spirit of the Lord a 75-mile radius around this place. We're the epicenter of spiritual influence in this region, but there's all other epicenters that are growing and, and overlapping with ours. One of the things that happens is people press into the Lord and they feel guided, they feel led to step out in ministry. I've got several listed here, but I'm just going to mention one right now. I want to mention our brother Jim Monroe. This is a man that's gifted of the Lord in teaching. Uh, Jim, would you mind standing up just so people could see you? You can't see him online, but he is here, I assure you. He's present. Maybe you can come up so people can see you online. Yeah. This, this man's teaching blesses me. Just this morning, we had our first lesson in uh, a series called To Be or Not to Be. And the Lord was just showing me, yes, he's got the substance of a teacher. He's got the gifting, the natural gifting of a teacher. But the way he talks, even, his, his, the way he, it, it, I don't mean to embarrass you, brother, but it's true. The, God works through him in a mighty way. I was receiving such life in the 50 or so minutes I was with him this morning. I want to encourage you, if you've got time on a Sunday morning, instead of doing whatever else you're doing, it might be a good idea to join us in this class. It'll bless you. It'll encourage your walk with the faith. It's being in Christ, not just thinking like Christ or being like Christ. It's being in him. It's a really good lesson. But Jim has been guided and led by the Lord just by way of example applicable to what I'm talking about. He's been guided by the Lord to step out in this ministry and he's one of those little circles. He's, he's the sphere of influence. And bless your brother. And bless your wife too, Chris. <laughs> Didn't forget you, sister. A few tips on guidance. I want to encourage you to meditate on the Word. Your Word, Psalm 119, verse 9 says, your, or verse 11, verse 105, there's a lot of them. There's 150 of them. Verse 105 says, Your Word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. Being in the Word will literally illuminate your spiritual walk. Beyond your conscious awareness, when you're in the Word, certain things are kept from you that you don't even know about. Certain things you will know about, but stay in His Word. Verse 9 of Psalm 119 says, Your Word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against you. It's not just emotions praying to God out of whatever state I'm in. I just got a tax return, so I'm happy. Praise God, blessed with joy. I just got a diagnosis, so I'm sad. Oh, God, help me. It's not the emotions that are leading me. It's the word of God, his revealed word. It's living and powerful, sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit and of joints and marrow. There are ways that we're blind to unclean influences on our prayers. When we truly want our prayers to be guided, as in, as in, in other words, and that is to say, abiding in Him, 
guided by him. When we truly want our prayers to do that, we need to let the living word break off, separate the unclean influences on our souls, the vision of soul and spirit, and let our spirits thrive and live according to how he's calling us to live. The word of God is important. I want to encourage you to meditate on it if you're wanting guidance. Number two, remember and repent. You can see examples of this in the word where people were instructed to do something by the Spirit of the Lord. They were instructed to go. They did well when they went, when the Holy Spirit was telling them. They didn't do so hot when they didn't go, the children of Israel. Many other examples. But my prayer for this house is that we would remember the things that the Holy Spirit has told us to do that have not gone away. There's still a lingering, faithful, steadfast calling of the Lord for us to step out in certain areas and do certain things and speak certain ways. And by the grace of God, hear what I'm saying, by the mercy of God and the grace of God, he is sharpening up our ears, brother. He's sharpening our ears by causing us to remember what he's called us to do so that we don't go too far away. He's guiding us with the sharpness of his voice and he's calling us to remember and repent for disobeying his voice, for turning our backs on him. Let the truth rest, but also let his mercy rest on us. Are you with me? Number three, seek godly counsel. I'm just going to simply put this this way. Godly counsel doesn't always tell you what you want to hear. Godly counsel tells you what's the truth. Pastor Josh, this is what the Holy Spirit has been speaking to me. I'm going to be honest with you. And a couple of others have shared it to me. The building, this building project has become too much of a distraction for you. Thank you, those of you that have shared that. Thank you, Holy Spirit, for revealing it to my heart. I'm not saying we're not going to build. I'm not saying we're going to build. I'm really not. But the truth of what he's put me on to is to love the one right in front of me. And sometimes what happens, you see this in my estimation, just doing a little research because God's been stirring this in my heart. Most of the churches that you see that are big and quote-unquote successful have a lot of hidden issues. A lot of hidden issues. They're too worked up about administration, which is one gift of the Spirit, and not enough with mercy and loving, discerning, prophetically encouraging, and all the other gifts of the Holy Spirit. They've lost their first love. I want to thank the people that have given me godly counsel that's acted to guide me in the way that I should go. Not looking left or right, but continuing straight on the path that he's called me to. As a matter of fact, and, and I humbly want to pray this. Lord, I pray that you would uproot, take away anything in this church, anything in myself that's too preoccupied with a building, 
with quote-unquote big church, that we would find our complete sustenance in every word that comes from your mouth, being in your presence where there's fullness of joy, your love that fills beyond what we can comprehend, we would find our fullness in you in the name of Jesus. Number four, be aware of your emotions. I said that earlier, don't be driven by emotions. It's too easy. Paul says don't be tossed and fro like children. Be rooted and grounded in the Lord. Sometimes we're praying and our emotions are guiding us. Yeah, this feels all right, so I'm going to go over here. This feels all right, I'm going to go over here. This doesn't feel right, so I'm going over here. And we end up being tossed around like a pinball. Stay in his body. Stay in him. Let his word saturate our hearts. And don't let emotions drive us. I want to say also that emotions aren't a bad thing. It's lovely to see the joy of the Lord expressed through tears when he touches us. God gave us emotions. We just shouldn't be worshiping them and following them only. Number five, without faith it is impossible to please him for who, he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Whatever God is guiding us to do, whatever step he's calling us to take, it's a step that will require faith. Use the symbolism of Peter stepping out of the boat. Jesus says, come. And Peter just <laughs> dips his toe out there and said, really, can I really step out onto the water? If Jesus is calling you, yes, you can. And if you make a mistake and you stay centered on Jesus, you'll see his hand and he'll pull you up and he'll rescue you. I'm not preaching perfection. There's only one who is. But we are being made perfect as we stay in him and we continue to follow him. He continues to progressively sanctify us and clean us and purify us. Blessed are the pure in heart for they shall see God. Number six, ask God if he will bless it. I shared last night, Pastor Paul, as he was considering proposing to my mother, it's history now. We know the results, the wonderful results. We're going to get a taste of that in a few weeks at the couple's thing. But when he was proposing to my mother, he did not hear God say, do this now. She is the one. So he decided to ask God, will you bless this? Will you bless this relationship if I pursue it? One of the ways that God guides us is if we just, this, this issue that we're considering, this dilemma that we're in, we just say, God, will you bless it if I choose to go this way? Will you bless if I take this door or shut this one? Stay in his word. It will guide you. You'll know in your heart, you'll have this sense of peace, the shalom of God, that you're doing the right thing. If you can, join me in this prayer. Holy Spirit, I welcome your perfect guidance in my life. I choose to rest in your counsel as you impart to me through your revealed word. I ask for ears to hear, eyes to see, and a heart to receive all that you are speaking, showing, and revealing to me. Where you lead me, I will follow. Guide me in your way everlasting. 
those prayers are available through the office if you'd like. Many of you took advantage of that last week. I'm blessed by that. Why don't you stand to your feet and we'll take communion. If you didn't notice, there was a little snow falling down through our skylight today. Last night when it happened, I thought, wow, is this a tingle from the Holy Spirit? It's refreshing, like the dew of Hermon. (laughs) No, it was snow. But this morning as we were praying in the prayer room, I was reminded. Isaiah 55, it says, As the snow, the rain, as they come down from heaven and do not return there, but cause the earth to be fruitful. He compares that to, So shall my word, my rhema, my spoken word to your heart, to my heart, so shall it be. It shall accomplish what I desire. It shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. As we partake, I want to invite his rhema to go into our hearts. Lord, we thank you for your body broken. We remember your body broken. And you paid the price so that we could hear your rhema. We could hear your voice all the ways that you want to help us and all the ways that you want to guide us. We remember your body broken for that purpose and we partake in Jesus' name. When Jesus said this, the wine is the new covenant of his blood, he wasn't just talking about a covenant between us as individuals and him but us together in him. So as we remember the new covenant of his blood, his blood spilled for us, we're remembering what he paid for, that we would be made perfect in one. Lord, I bless all the ways that you're unifying us, the ways that that causes us to help each other, causes us to even guide each other through your leadership, guiding one another. All the ways that you show other people, show the world that you are loved by us being unified. I bless your unity and the oneness with you to go so deep that we hurt just the same way our brothers and sisters do when they hurt and we rejoice just the same way they rejoice when they're rejoicing. In the name of Jesus, we partake in remembrance of you. Praise God. I want to thank you for coming out, but even more importantly, I want to bless you. This was not an easy mental decision for some of us to come out and brave the elements. And so I see that as evidence of you seeking God with all your heart, soul, and mind. It's not a condemnation to anyone at home. Just you turning on the screen, turning on the Video is you seeking the Lord as well, but I just wanted to bless that, that hunger for the Lord in all of us. Lord, your word says we hunger and we thirst for righteousness and we are filled. I bless your filling. And as the Spirit leads, I bless a fresh filling of the Holy Spirit in each and every person here, each and every person listening. A fresh filling of the Holy Spirit. Fill us to overflowing, Holy Spirit. A fresh baptism in the name of Jesus. 
Lord, no more orphanism. No more, no more confusion. Filled by the Spirit, living by the Spirit, because we know if we live by the flesh, it leads to death. But if we live according to the Spirit, there's life and peace. In Jesus' name, amen. If you would like prayer today, just come forward. We'll pray for you, bless you. Feel free to stick around in His presence.